It's time for Church, the Church of Sport. In today's sermon, we recap the Rugby Championship and salute a great sporting comeback, ponder the NRL Grand Final and shake our heads at Football New Zealand. Once again, my name's Pastor Stu and joining me is the very, very Reverend Mike. Thanks, uh, Pastor Stu, and thanks for welcoming me back into the Church of Sport for another sermon. Oh, well, it's always good to have you. Uh, now, let's kick off with the Rugby Championship. So, uh, kind of a, I don't know, pr- pretty ho-hum two games over the weekend. The All Blacks uh, eventually running over the top of Argentina and uh, Australia losing again. Yeah, the uh, the South Africa-Australia match was... Uh, was uh, it looked like two team two bad teams playing each other, um, which um, unfortunately has been the case for quite a few years now. There's nothing special happening between those two teams um, or their development. I don't think we're progressing at all. And the uh, All Blacks versus Argentina, yeah, disappointing from Argentina that in front of their home crowd, uh, with everything in their favour, uh, they couldn't stick to their guns and uh, play their own style. And I think they're still struggling to get back to their own style. I think they're still uh, they're still fighting against uh, trying to play this brand of rugby that um, they think they need to play to be, be good in the world. Um, but, you know, we've seen when they, when they do what they do best, which is their forward-led attack uh, and grinding out games, um, they're pretty hard to, pretty hard to beat. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why they capitulate like that against the All Blacks constantly hmm. in particular at home um interesting their coach he wasn't that impressed with the all blacks <laughs> which is interesting but anyway um the other thing is so all the scoring yeah all the scoring for that uh, springbok australia game was all, all the try scoring was done in the first half and then they they just sort of went through the motions in the second in the second half um it's really hard to stay interested in some of these games year in year out I, i've um I've, I've, in particular, I've battled this year. I think to actually uh, be be overly enthused about what I'm seeing um, because we're just again we're seeing it year in year out, and there's a there's a real lack of variety in my mind. However, one thing that did happen um, during the All Black game, and we were talking about great sporting comebacks last week, Sonny Bill Williams. That's a great sporting comeback. I mean, that guy's been injured so often, and he just keeps coming back. Well, well, I guess he I guess he keeps coming back because he only. <laughs> He only comes back once a year, you know. So you know it's not hard to lift yourself when um, when you're getting paid a quadrillion dollars and you only have to run onto the field once, and in between that you're allowed to do whatever you want. So um, yeah, I didn't I didn't see anything special from from Sonny Bill Williams, and uh, you know I've been pretty I've been pretty harsh on him in the past. I don't think he's um, I think he will always be a much better league player uh, than he will ever be. Uh, rugby player, uh, a bit like uh, Israel Folau, mm. um, you know, much better league player than he ever will be a rugby player. But the but the the Australian Rugby Union and the New Zealand Rugby Union are stuck because they've invested so much money uh, into these guys, um, both in salaries and in terms of marketing, that they can't afford not to play them. So um, and that's not good for um, good for our game. But uh, again. It's about the, the business of rugby rather than the game yeah. of rugby. I, th- I think for Sonny Bill Williams, he was really playing well uh, for the Chiefs just before he went back to, to play for the Roosters, I think it was. Um, he, w- he was in some peak form and then he went back to league. And um, and then, you know, I think he won an NRL title while he was over there and then came back to rugby. Um, so, yeah, he, he was kind of hitting his straps and then he changed sports. 
again. Uh, but he did have a nice, there was a nice offload that he did that nearly led to a try. It was a sunny, sunny Bill Williams special. The commentators liked it. <laughs> yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. Yep. And Ian Smith would have been there somewhere wanking <laughs> off furiously. But, um, uh, what he does, you know, whenever Sonny builds on the ground. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, one one offload, um, a player does he not make... He got Simbin too, didn't he? <laughs> did he? I didn't, um, I didn't see that. When did he get Simbin? Yeah, he got he got Simbin in the first half. It was kind of a team Simbin. I think it was the third penalty in a row, and he got um, he got pinged. For the, <laughs> he tends to get Simbin quite a bit. Um Poor Sonny Bill Williams, but you know, again, great sporting comeback. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess I would, I would have difficulty categorising that as a, as a, as a comeback when, um, yeah. I mean, if if he was to go back to NRL and to uh, win another title, I would say that's a, a great sporting comeback um, for Sonny Bill Williams. Mm. Um, but you know, knocking over fat out of shape. Uh, opponents in the ring, uh, making making keynote <laughs> appearances for the All Blacks, and never really doing anything that spectacular. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing him making a great sporting comeback in, in those arenas anytime soon. No, amen to that. Um, now, someone who will hopefully, or they'll hope that they're wanting to make a comeback is so during the week, uh, one of the Waikato players he lost his contract in Ireland, so he's a twenty-one year old, I think. He, he avoided a conviction for domestic violence, the judge ruling that it would adversely affect his future employment and career in rugby, and the, therefore the punishment would outweigh the actual crime. So we've seen a little bit of this over the years, but usually the um, team that they're going to perhaps doesn't drop them. So it's interesting to see that he actually he's lost his contract, um, according to reports. Yeah, there must be there must be more to the story uh, in the background. Uh, somewhere, um, but I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing. I think there needs to be consequences, um, and uh, people need to see that there are consequences, uh, especially when it involves high-profile sports people. Who uh, you know, this country has a tendency uh, of uh, waving the big stick but not actually using it against um, high-profile sports people, um, and yeah, it's not good enough. Um, so I wasn't. Uh, I was surprised, like you, that um, he'd lost his contract, um, but um, I think it's good to see. Well, it, it is good to see, and yeah, usually, you know, there have been a few of these, or it's New Zealand celebrities as well, who, you know, get name suppression and seem to be able to hold on to that name suppression for a long time, and, and the defence again is that it's going to affect their future employment. Um, and while that's true, I mean, if I was to do something in my job, then that would definitely, if something similar, that would definitely affect my future uh, employment. And I probably wouldn't be able to hide behind any name suppression or anything like that. In fact, I'd probably have to change careers. Yeah, everyone, uh, everyone apart from uh, every celebrity, it seems, apart from Simon Pullman. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> he seems to have been singled out early um, uh, before. <laughs> what was the norm to put name suppression in place so that uh, it didn't affect careers. Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, for something like domestic violence, um, yeah, I, I just uh, I just think these guys have got to face the consequences um, and it's got to be, um, it, you know, it's it's for the good of um, all those young men coming through playing rugby, mm. um, mm. but it's sex 
example that um, it's rugby and violence uh, on the domestic front doesn't go together. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, we've seen um, Greg Inless over mm. the over the past week as well. You know, with his uh, drunk mm. driving conviction uh, mm. or getting caught drunk driving. Um, you know, consequences for him. And the thing is, and, and this guy's only twenty one as well, so he does have time to redeem himself. And you know, if he works hard, and apparently, I mean, he's playing pretty well for Waikato, so um, it won't be the last contract that I'm sure he's he's offered. Um, so, I mean, he's lucky he was discharged without conviction. Uh, so yeah, again, he's got some time on his side uh, as long as he, you know, stays positive, I guess. And um, but I, I think it's, uh, I agree with you. I think it's good at the moment that he lost that two-year contract because um, otherwise it was just too easy, really, for him to run away to his contract in Ireland and 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 not really, to a degree, face up to the fallout. Um, now he just has to prove himself again. Yep, yep, yep. We have a. I, I guess it's um, yeah. I mean, it's well, we have a problem in this country with domestic violence and the way that we mm. handle uh, punishment for people that are convicted of it. You know, Tony Beach, you know, is yeah. is back on the airwaves. Um, well, he's he's actually in Bali now. Is he? What's he doing in <laughs> yeah. Bali? He's not running oh, the he's, a- he's not running that shop with um, Mark Todd, is he? That tattoo parlor. <laughs> no, he's not. But he's he's opened a bed and breakfast over there. Uh, it's for people who have burnt out. Uh, He's specialising in people who have burnt out uh, to go and just chill. <laughs> right. I was reading about it today. So, I mean, he's not on the ears. Oh, he's he's left New Zealand. Okay. And he's in I Bali. Did, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Oh, well. Mm. But you're right. That's where Brent Todd is as well. Yeah, he's in Bali running yeah. that tattoo shop. Yeah. Who did he uh, – oh, did I say Mark Todd? I did say Mark Todd. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Brent Todd. Um, who's he, who's he, who's he running that with? Brent Todd and uh, um, I don't know some woman I think I don't I don't know yeah I think there's another I don't think celebrity it... uh, or maybe it's oh. um Matthew Ridge yeah it could be I think they opened a cafe and um, tattoo parlor or something like that fine upstanding citizen <laughs> I like Matthew Ridge what, what do you what do you mean by that Matthew Ridge was um, I mean Matthew Ridge uh, people probably don't remember um, but you know he was the guy that shocked the uh, the rugby world by leaving New Zealand rugby and going to um, was it Manly? Manly, yeah. Yeah, he was the first. Yeah. Then, then it kind of opened the floodgates, and uh, John Gallagher uh, went over to the UK to play league for um, mm. Leeds. I think he was of that era as well. So there's a whole group of All Blacks around that time that um, made the switch. Uh, and did- well, of course, it's, yeah. I mean, the sport was amateur, but league was professional, so they were going for the money. Yeah. And then things changed, of course, when rugby became professional because it was more attractive to actually play rugby, and that's why you saw those players going the other way. Um, and players like, I mean, Matthew Ridge, of course, cashed in. He played for the Warriors at one point and was on a huge contract there. Who was his uh, mate? John Cook. Mark. Uh, Mark Ellis. Yeah, he played yeah. for the Warriors too, didn't he? He played for the Warriors. Yeah. John Kerwin played for the Warriors yeah. for a season, I think, just one season. Yeah. Um, they must have wasted a whole heap of money, right? That the Warriors, a whole heap of money over the years, yeah. on some of these players. Whereas Matthew Ridge was past his best when he went to the Warriors, yeah. way well past his best. <sighs> anyway, um, speaking of people kind of past their best, uh, Timuera Morrison is to portray Eddie Jones in a film about the 2015 Rugby World Cup, uh, and specifically the Japanese victory over the Springboks. 
in uh, one of those early pool games, their first ever one over the Springboks. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> so, I mean, um, like Eddie Jones uh, in the year leading up to that had had a stroke, hit, didn't he? Or a massive heart attack or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's pretty unwell. So, um, so yeah, so it should be, um, I mean, it's a, it's a good story. I guess if that's what the story is going to focus on, this, um, this rugby coach that goes over to coach a minnow international team and has uh, a major health setback but drags his team to, to the World Cup and they win, yeah, or win against South Africa. Yeah, I don't think I'll be going, parting with my cash to go and watch it somehow. <laughs> I yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm not sure that uh, Timuera Morrison can do an Australian accent. There's enough trouble with a New Zealand accent. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know if he can – and he's a lot bigger than Eddie Jones, surely. Eddie Jones is a little man. There's this photo in the Herald which – The New Zealand Herald. Yeah, the New Zealand Herald. The other thing about so, – So is the story actually true? <laughs> yeah, it's true. The other thing about Eddie right. Jones is he's half Japanese, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about this casting. I don't, I don't know about this whole film. Um, Didn't uh, Timmy Weir Morrison play somebody in – uh, Star Wars? Yeah, it's Django Fett. It's Boba Fett's dad. Yeah, yeah, so you know, if you can if you can play an alien from another world. He's also surely you can play an a Japanese Australian. He's also landed a pretty sweet role um in the film Aquaman that's coming out uh, later this year, I think, or early next year. He's he plays Aqua he's Aquaman's dad in that. Right. Yeah. His, I, tell his you, I, tell you, I tell you a uh uh, an actor that um, did really well, um, a New Zealand actor that did really well uh, uh, in the States, and it was uh, Cliff Curtis. Oh yeah, is it Cliff yeah, Curtis. Cliff Curtis yeah. So he, he he was in um, he was in that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he played um, a Colombian uh, terrorist, yep. um, and that was quite good. And then he was in uh, the movie with Denzel Washington mm. uh, called Train uh, Training Day, where he played a, where he played a Mexican. Yeah. Um, and he was brilliant in that too. So, um, yeah, yeah they, maybe they could have got Cliff Curtis to play Eddie Jones. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't, I don't get this casting. I don't, I, I think they could have literally got anyone. Um, I don't actually think it's, um, because I mean, Tim Maria Morrison, he was in Speed 2, which is a terrible, terrible. Yeah, that, that wasn't one of his greatest moments. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. And also, wasn't he in a film with Pamela Anderson? I think he was as well. Oh, I think it was called um, Barb Wire. Barb Wire, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, um, probably a little bit of a sad story. I mean, he struggled a little bit in his career. He tried to make it big in the States, sort of did. Sort of, sort of had some bit roles, and but I don't think he could ever mask it, um, master an American accent, and that's been to the detriment of his career. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, he's he's according to the New Zealand Herald, he's going to portray Eddie Jones in a film about the 2015 Rugby World Cup. So watch that space. Mm, I will. Uh, last <laughs> last weekend, NRL Grand Final, uh, pretty one sided game. Uh, the interesting thing for me was the whole Cooper Cronk Cameron Smith battle. Now, see, I always thought they were good mates, and so I was quite surprised. I haven't been paying attention at all. Uh, but interesting with Cronk going into that game with a sore shoulder, right, or a shoulder injury, and one early tackle, Cameron Smith really hammered him and hammered him down on that shoulder. And the next thing, Cronk's on top of him uh, trying to strangle him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't know what went on there. So, you know, obviously they're at uh, Melbourne and they're great mates and being mm. uh, 
apparently Cameron Smith didn't get invited to, or didn't even know that Cooper Cronk was getting married and didn't get invited to his wedding. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then at the end of the game, um, there's some bitterness there. I don't even think they Mm. acknowledged each other. So No, they didn't. They talked about other players. Both of them talked about other players. So, uh, but yeah. not each other. <laughs> it's a it's a real shame. Uh, you know, it is and, really. uh, I mean, the great thing about um, the great thing about league and rugby is that you know, uh, you know, that's where you make lifelong friends. Um, you're not mm. supposed to you're not supposed to lose lifelong friends. So yeah. Well, it sounds pretty. If it's just over a wedding and uh, and not being invited to a wedding, that's kind of petty, yeah. really. Yeah. You'll see more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, true. would he really care? Does it really matter if, if he's at his wedding? I mean, yeah, who don't, cares? Don't know. Um, you know. Yeah, Cooper Cronk played a, an interesting role, though. I mean, uh, mm. I think I saw some stats. He didn't um, He didn't hit the ball up once. He made, uh, made no. maybe six tackles. Uh, he made no mm. run meters, something like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty brave of him to be out there. Um, and mm. I thought it was—I thought it was curious that he lasted seventy-eight minutes, but just couldn't squeeze out another two. I thought that was a bit <laughs> yeah. poor. You know? So, uh, Rule Gaynor, oh, what a great effort! He's a—you know—what a—what a—what a hero! And um, you know, he battled, battled through for the whole week to make the make the final. But fuck, there was only two minutes to go. <laughs> you know, right. and and they were up by whatever amount of points they were up mm. by. They weren't going to lose. Could he not have, you know, just hung around for another couple of minutes? I don't know. So, it's yeah. very strange. Yeah. It wasn't one of those situations where, you know, they wanted to give him, I don't know, because it was just interchange, right? It's not like football where they take them off and um, with a few minutes or some minutes to go and the crowd claps them yeah. uh, because they're not coming back on. But it was just an interchange, I imagine. That's very bizarre. Yeah, I think Cameron Smith um, also said that they did a really good job of hiding him. I think that was some of the... The comments that Cameron Smith made. Yeah, and, hide, and hiding the, uh, the actual injury that he had throughout the week. Mm. So, um, yeah. 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 Yeah, they've, um, Melbourne uh, makes a lot of grand finals, but they've lost a few, haven't they? They have, they've absolutely lost a few as well. And they had some stripped away from them, of course, uh, a few years back for their salary cap issues. Uh, that they had, so yeah, interesting. So that's the NRL wrapped for another year. The um, it was it was a dis- I mean, it was a it was a great game. I thought it, you know, it was a really uh, mm. high intensity, uh, really good struggle. But I thought Melbourne were super disappointing. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, mm. yeah, dis- disappointing end mm. to the season for for them. Um, you would have thought it could have been a little bit closer. Uh, they could have yeah. scored. They just didn't seem to be able to score at all. So. Um, yeah, great defence by the Roosters. Um, so, yeah, the Warriors have made a couple of signings, I think, in, in the last week or locked some people in, including Isaac Luke, who re-signed for a one-year contract. There were rumours that he was going to Newcastle, but that's fallen through, um, and so he's going to be a Warrior for at least another season. Good stuff, good stuff. So I guess we'll be looking forward to um, the Kiwi uh, the Kiwi kangaroo. Test coming up very shortly. Yep, be, be good to see another total capitulation by the Kiwi side. <laughs> yeah, Let's see all the uh, all the Kiwi players that have done so well for the Australian NRL teams come back and look absolutely fucking hopeless. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting, isn't it? Because they are so good in some of these Aussie teams. Um, and yeah, you're right. They <laughs> they just look all at sea once they pull on that Kiwis jersey. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, is it the pressure 
in the, in some of these clubs because they're surrounded by you know excellent players. Um, I don't I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. I think maybe I think maybe it's you know for for the Australians it's um you know there's always there's always another team to um step up to and and make you know you've got your you've got your NRL mm. club sides um then you've got the state of origin and then you've got the the kangaroos whereas i think for a lot of our um for a lot of uh, the kiwi players they make it to the NRL sides and and for them they've made it they've done it you know they've um they've realized their dream and uh and that's where maybe the passion or the intensity ends for them um yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's that. The other interesting thing that's developed, and um, this is a little bit of a crime. Oh, it's not really a crime. I suppose it's good. But to- the emergence of Tonga, and they're almost becoming a greater rival for Australia than the Kiwis. Um, and that's that's only happened, of course, since the, the World Cup. But they are talking up, I'm pretty sure there's this game that's potentially happening in Auckland between um, Australia and Tonga. I'm not 100, percent but the Tongan team is extremely strong, and they are looking at to become, I guess, uh, a greater rival to Australia. Certainly, more quality team than um, than New Zealand. So that's kind of an interesting thing uh, with all of those Tongan um, born players or associated players, you know, going back to uh, and committing to Tonga. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it, it speaks volumes for um, the value that's held in the Kiwi jersey, you know. So, um, so again, you know, it's like um, uh, <laughs> yeah, these right. guys have uh, hit their pinnacle in terms of making or getting signed up to NRL sides. Um, and then, you know, they're not looking for the next step up. Uh, they get to choose um, uh, mm. what they do next, whether they play for New Zealand or Tonga. I just hope that the New Zealand Rugby League, uh, you know, has some backbone and says... Yeah, you play for Tonga, you don't come back mm. and play for us. You know, they've got to they've got to do that in order to yeah. uh, put the mystique um, around that Kiwi jersey again. Um, because if it doesn't have that, um, you know, players mm. uh, aren't going to be wanting to stick around them and and wear that jersey. And then you've got these problems of you know really bad performances, which we've seen over the last few years. Amen to that. Uh, all right, time for our Tiger Woods watch. Now, he was part of the American team taking on Europe in the Ryder Cup. He lost all four of his games. Um, <laughs> and so that, that great comeback that you were talking about last week is over. Um, and I read a report where they were suggesting that he actually needed some rest because he's played too much is this he? year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which wound me up a lot, actually after our conversation in last week's episode about Tiger Woods and how overrated I, I thought his uh, comeback was, or yeah. the reporting of his comeback was. He actually doesn't have a good record no. at the Ryder Cup anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, the, I think he needs yeah. some rest. He's I, been playing I too much. just to clarify, I said it was a great sporting moment. Probably don't classify it as a great sporting <laughs> comeback. Um, the Ryder Cup is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I saw, um, you know, I saw the, them yeah, introducing the players uh, – at the start of the tournament, and uh, just tens of thousands of people there, just just incredible. And uh, mm-hmm. I just have no mm-hmm. idea why golf is that is that popular. I just um, probably one of the world's no. worst games, uh, and yet it's just got this mass following. Um, 
great if you are playing mm. and can play. I guess maybe there's something therapeutic about smacking a ball and then walking mm. great distances to try and find it and then smacking it again. Um, I guess if you're a player, there's, there must be yeah. some enjoyment of that. But um, going to watch a golf tournament, yeah, I think there's something wrong with people that do that. Get in the hole. <laughs> yeah. It's always good, though, because there's always somebody that gets a golf ball to the head. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think some woman was chopper lifted to, to a hospital. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's usually some old woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she walked. Who's probably been, she's probably been dragged there by her husband or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Or partner. Yeah. Um, how, yeah un- I, how, how unlucky, you know, a ball, hmm. a ball the size of, well, a ball the size of a golf ball, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> from 150 metres away um, and you're in a crowd of 10,000 people um, and that ball can go anywhere, yet it manages to find your forehead. <laughs> I mean, it's like, fuck. Yeah. And they're pretty hard, those golf balls. Um, they don't muck around. They don't so muck around. There'll be no repairing that divot, that's for sure. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, dangerous stuff. Yeah, I don't know why people go and watch golf. I mean, everyone lines up at the tee, they smack the ball, and then you've got to walk to the next shot Yeah, um, where you see them smack the ball again. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, not a, not really a spectator sport. I mean, you can watch it on TV. Uh, at least they, they jump around different players and you can you can see the actual whole tournament. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you're just following one player around or his grouping which is or her grouping, which is usually a four that they play in. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm I, sure he's going to get some rest. Yeah, I think the quality of the game, you know, um, can be described by the fact that it's never really taken off on um, an arcade form. You know, it's, it hasn't really evolved. Oh. You know, like uh, you've got you've oh. got your cricket games which have evolved. You've got your soccer games. Uh, you know, the FIFA 2018 mm. game just amazing for its realism. Um, but the mm. the golf uh, on these on these um, on these platforms, it's never changed, you know, from, from no. Sega to um, now, um, you know, it's still one of the worst games you could possibly played um, on the TV. Well, I used to play, I used to play Tiger Woods, whatever it was, because it used to be his game, didn't it? Every year until he had his indiscretions and then he was cut from that as well. And um, the the problem with electronic golf is that they have all the same conditions, like like wind, and you've got to select your club correctly, and it's all the same frustrations that you get uh, if you're actually on a golf course. And um, so I just end up packing it in because it's too frustrating. Uh, whereas I can play FIFA games or other sports games, even some of the basketball games, and um, yeah, those frustrations aren't there because you just learn to play the game rather than battling conditions. I mean, I think that if you're going to play a golf game, you might as well just go out and play golf yeah, for real. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> kind of interesting. Uh, FIFA 19, FIFA yeah. 19 is good too. That's the the newest version, which has just come out in the last week. It's got some interesting stuff. Yeah. But maybe that's a chat we can have in another podcast. But talking football, uh, a report's come out this week about football New Zealand who are a complete shambles and have been a complete shambles for a number of years. But this report was specifically addressing um, what happened with the football fans. <clears throat> Where do you start with Football New Zealand? <laughs> you know, that, 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 is, that is not just a future podcast. It is a future series of podcasts. You know, um, I, I, guess, I guess for me, um, 
even before this whole uh, shambles started occurring, um, I was alarmed um, when um, the football firm coach came out, and I forget his exact words, but he was saying something like, we're never going to be in the top four. Um, and so uh, we might as well just concentrate on solidifying um, our current placing. And then also his uh, you know, his game plan against uh, Japan, I think, where it was um, defend, defend, defend. You know, and for me, uh, that was two pretty big signs uh, that he was not the right man for the job. And then obviously it's come out that uh, he wasn't the right man for the job because of uh, the way that he's um, treated the players. So, um, yeah, just another another uh, disaster for football New Zealand. And I think, you know, uh, they still haven't found their place, you know, um, in the New Zealand psyche. And that is because uh, they haven't, uh, discovered what their own game is, you know, and we try and emulate. Uh, it's a bit, it's like a bit uh, of a reverse situation to rugby where other countries are trying to play the rubbish brand that we play. Um, we're trying to play the brand that everyone else is playing, but haven't really figured out how we actually play football as New Zealanders. Um, and I think until we do that, um, uh, we're always going to be on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Yep. Uh, amen to that. And um, so, just backtracking a little bit, I guess the uh, the problem started after the we qualified, or the problem started after we went to the World Cup in Spain in nineteen eighty four. Was it? I should remember. no nineteen eighty two. What am I saying? So the problem started after we went to the World Cup in Spain in nineteen eighty two. By all reports, you know, even at that time, New Zealand football. Oh, I think it was called Soccer New Zealand at that stage, or New Zealand Soccer. They've changed the name a few times. Um, got quite a bit of money from that tournament, of course, because FIFA's loaded. You get to go to that World Cup, and even in 82, there was lots of money that came back. But they lacked direction and foresight at that stage to actually invest that money properly. And I think they had an assumption that because they'd cracked it and made the World Cup in 82, then they were going to make the next World Cup and the next World Cup and the next World Cup. And, of course, that didn't happen at all. And they kind of rested on their laurels. I think they started paying um, some sports administrators too much, even at that stage, and all that money just disappeared. So there was there was no real direction and no real future planning in New Zealand football. And um, the you're talking about playing style, and and I agree totally. Um, we haven't found our playing style. The 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 eighty two team that went to the World Cup actually had a, a pretty good style but they also because they were physical um and they had they had a superstar player in Winton Ruffer who was coming on board uh, and they had good hard men essentially who played physically and got up the other teams and I think that's what you're saying to a large degree that's the style that one part of the style that we should be looking for the problem too is that I've in my experience of New Zealand football nothing's changed in terms of the playing style no matter what coach we've had on board um there's two things that they've done. One, we'll just give the opposition the ball and we'll try and burgle what we can out of the game. So we'll actually play the game without any possession. And two, the other tactic is when we do have the ball, we're just going to bang it forward and play long balls and not actually play any football and see where that gets us. And typically it's got us nowhere because we've always struggled to score goals. And the same thing to a degree has happened with the women's game where we go to major uh, FIFA tournaments and we really, really struggle to score goals. Um, And that is, again, because of the style of football that has 
I don't know, been either introduced from, I mean, for a long time it was uh, a British style that we were using here and there were heavy influence of British coaches. We tend to have a lot of South American coaches uh, on board now in our academies and um, and and so there's that style. So it's, it's, it is a kind of confused style and bottom line, um, especially in our men's game, we don't actually have the talented players. All those players aren't playing in the right places. I mean, we only have two players in the English Premier League currently um, and often they don't come back or aren't able to come back to play for our national team. And so we don't have enough players overseas and we don't have a strong enough competition here either. And the Phoenix isn't good enough uh, to be develop, uh, to be developing anything through Australia. Um, we have a few players who bounce around some Australian clubs where that competition's not really good enough. Um, and the women's team, though, just going back to that, I think the women's team does have potential to actually crack. I mean, I think they're top 20 at the moment. I'm not sure where they're actually placed. I think they have a really good opportunity to crack top 10. I think they have they have some skills, and, and to a degree they have the right attitude as well. That's, that's where I think that New Zealand football should be investing most of their money because they've got the best opportunity to crack it. I, I think coaching the, um, the All-Whites is a bit of a loser's game, and I, I don't think that they can ever crack realistically um, a top 20 or even a top 30 consistently. They'll get to go to the World Cup in a few years when um, that's opened up to more teams and um, our confederation here gets an automatic entry, which is a a crime, Um, but that won't improve our men's game one bit at all. End of sermon. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's, there's not much fear that I wouldn't agree with. I guess, you know, it's a real shame because uh, New Zealanders are gagging uh, to have uh, soccer as uh, as a sport uh, that we want to love. You know, I mean, um, it's, it's super popular in New Zealand. You know, there are a lot of kids uh, playing uh, soccer in New Zealand um, and everything is there, um, just New Zealand... Uh, Football New Zealand just doesn't seem to be able to to get it together um, to make it happen. Uh, I think the problem is, you know, that uh, rugby is a really great example because um, we don't have uh, a massive population to which to draw from, um, but it's part of our culture. Um, it's part of what we've grown up with, um, and so there's that uh, ingrained passion, and we play it in a particular way, um, and that's why we're so great at rugby. Um, we don't have the population um you know, to draw on for uh, a huge number of soccer players. So we've got to find a different way of doing it, you know, and we've got to um, we've got to find our own way of playing and ingrain that so it's the New Zealand way and get people um, yep. get people involved that way. The Phoenix is a the Phoenix should be a vehicle for New Zealand soccer um, to be playing every single week. You know, the Phoenix should essentially be um, an all-white side, um, and they get to play every single week here in the A-League. Uh, it's not the greatest competition, but at least they'll be playing every single week. Um, and then, you know, your whites will be playing on a regular basis, just um, not you know, just wearing a different strip and called something different. A wee bit like the breakers, you know, uh, we don't have the population to, uh, you know, to put it on the world stage. Um, But through the breakers, we get to play every single week. And from that, our basketball is improving. Um, A wee bit like the league, you know, the Warriors should really be um, the the Kiwis side that gets to play every single Mm -hmm. week. Um, and you know, in the toughest competition in the world, so I think there are I think there are things that football New Zealand could do 
um, to really lift the profile and lift the game uh, and make it a pretty successful one in New Zealand. They just um, they just don't seem to be innovative enough or, or be prepared to change or challenge uh, what's come oh, before. Yeah, I, ag- I agree um, <clears throat> with most of what you said. The, the population thing's an interesting one, um, and you're right. Um, the, the trouble is, and we had these comparisons recently with the World Cup where people were saying, oh, Croatia made the World Cup final and they've got a population of just over 4 million as well. Um, and Iceland did pretty well in the European Championship um, a couple of years ago and they've only got you know the population of Christchurch. Uh, there. What people miss when they make those comparisons is that both of those countries are in Europe and and so therefore they are part of those European competitions regularly. It's easy to travel around. They're, they're qualifying for European tournaments. They're basically playing all the time, and their players are playing in professional competitions, whether that's in England, whether that's in France, Italy, Spain, Germany, um, or in Russia, or in Croatia itself, in the case of Croatia. But most of them are playing throughout Europe. It's easy for them to get together. So it's a, com- it's a completely different situation, even though they've got that smaller population. And of course, the other thing that they've got going for them in most of these countries in Europe, even if they've got a similar population to New Zealand, that is their national sport as well. And so they've got the history of that going for them. Um, and and it's in their blood, almost like, like rugby is here. And we've had this conversation before about rugby. Um, so yeah, people tend to forget that though. That that's that's what the difference is. They have that access to playing high quality teams all the time, or their their footballers are able to go. And in the case of Croatia, you know they've got some really talented players in their in their squad at the moment who are playing for Real Madrid, playing for Barcelona, playing playing for some of these these top teams. And so they're able to. It's it's kind of a golden period for Croatia in particular, where they can bring all these players back together, and they're they're a fairly decent team. Um. So yeah, um, the one thing Football New Zealand really needs to do, so they, they won't do it though, because I, I've said for a long time that they need to get into Asia and and into that confederation. It's a tricky thing to do, and it took Australia, uh, you know, a number of years to do it, but it has improved the Australian national team, their football, and they're still qualifying for the World Cup because they're able to get through Asia and they do it that way. And there's four qualifying spots there. Um, even if New Zealand didn't qualify, they're, they're getting exposure to playing better teams. And I mean, the reason Football New Zealand won't do it, <clears throat> one, it, is, it would be expensive because there are lots of tournaments and they've, they've got to pay for that somehow and they are short of cash. Uh, but two, because as I said before, this automatic entry is going to happen in a few years' time when the World Cup is expanded. And so it kind of guarantees New Zealand um, a place in the World Cup and therefore it guarantees football in New Zealand millions of dollars from actually making the World Cup. Um, and... They'll, they'll just bank that because they don't actually have to try too hard to get to the World Cup. And if and again, as I said, it won't improve the quality of football here. The pathway will be there to the World Cup, but it won't improve our football and we'll go there and we'll either get smashed or we'll do what we did when we qualified for the last for that World Cup in South Africa. Uh, we'll get three draws and consider that um, a successful tournament. True, true, mm. agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Again, football in this country hasn't changed in all the time that I've been involved in it. Um, I see the same things happening, unfortunately. Um, and and yeah, it is a shambles. I mean, one of the one of the things that came out of that report was that um, New Zealand football is a boys' club, 
And that's one of the things that actually has, hasn't changed in 30 or 40 years in terms of my involvement in football in this country. Um, so it's a boys' club, which toler- the, the quote is, which tolerated inappropriate banter. Um, only 21% of the staff are female. I mean, that's that's not necessarily a big deal in, in my book. You, know, you It's about getting the right people in there uh, rather than, than focusing on gender. Um, and I'm not in favour of quotas or anything like that, but I can imagine the boys' club and also the um, – I don't want to be xenophobic here, but probably the, the, the foreigner boys' club in terms of the English influence – um, and, and we've got enough decent sports administrators. We'd hope in this country uh, that that things could be run better with with someone who, you know, isn't imported from another country looking for a, a job. And that's one of the the uh, complaints about um, the selection recruitment processes process of our coaches. Ricky Herbert, he's the only Kiwi among the last fourteen coaches of the All Whites since nineteen seventy six. Um, and, and so that kind of contradicts, I guess, what I said before about getting the right person for the job. But it, it does seem that, you know, where are all these New Zealand coaches who are coming through our system? Are they just not good enough? Um, and, and why aren't we inv- investing some more time in them? I mean, I'm pretty sure that the, there's been a decent football coach in the women's grades, um, coaching the under-20s teams and, and some of the other age group teams. Um, but there, mu- there must be enough coaches coming through maybe the money's not there in terms of the pathway the job security i don't i don't know but it always does seem like the um new zealand football is looking abroad for a coach and then again you get what you were talking about in terms of a a very mixed playing style opposed to um let's really concentrate on what we're good at here and what our players are good at doing and um use that as a base rather than um, trying to copy what's happening in in Brazil. Uh, we'll see what happens with New Zealand football. All right, anything else? So, uh, what, I, what I liked seeing on, uh, on the news uh, this week uh, was the, uh, the press conference between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, and, and, you know, I know these things are, are usually uh, set up uh, to have a certain degree of tenseness so that all adds to the build-up of the fight. Um, but I, I genuinely think that uh, Deontay Wilder was um, was sincerely astounded at what a moron Tyson Fury actually is. Um, I don't think he had any idea um, until he probably met him face-to-face um, that this guy is a, a total loose cannon. Um, and, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you know even a little bit of boxing, uh, Deontay Wilder is an absolute monster. Um, and um, he's going to absolutely pummel Tyson Fury. So uh, that is if Tyson Fury can get it together uh, or keep it together long enough to get in the ring because, you know, he's he's struggled with uh, some issues uh, since he had his big fight um, and hasn't really had a big fight since then. So, uh, yeah, Deontay Wilder um, will clean him up. It could be the world's shortest fight. Um and yeah, what we really want to see is uh, is Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua. That seems to be the one that uh, Joshua's camp is avoiding. And I think they know that Deontay Wilder is probably the only man uh, in the circuit at the moment that can uh, that can really take him on and do some damage. Oh, I think Deontay Wilder will finish Joshua's career, and I think they know that. Um, and so that's why they keep him at arm's length. But yeah, hopefully Deontay Wilder will do the damage on Fury uh, and. Um, 
there'll be a few these obstacles in the way of of what will be a, a mega fight in the UK. It will just be um yeah biggest fight ever. I'm just looking at a, a photo of um, Tyson Fury and, and Deontay Wilder, um, and and uh, Tyson Fury looks incredibly overweight and out of shape. <laughs> He's hiding it behind a the suit that he's wearing and the uh, an interesting shirt yeah. but, is yeah. there a, what's the what's the height distance uh difference does it have oh, some I'm not sure. tail of the tape no i can't see any tail of the tape mm-hmm. uh but uh tyson fury is uh, he's known as the gypsy king is that right yeah. <laughs> the, <ridiculous. gypsy>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. the gypsies the gypsy king but uh yeah wilder looks um pretty fit to me yeah. he looks pretty fit and dangerous wilder is a dangerous dangerous man so um yeah i think he had a little bit of difficulty in his last fight i think it took him a little bit longer um and he took some hits um which he hadn't had to do before um so yeah i think it's probably just made him stronger and angrier uh, and hopefully he takes all of it out on tyson fury yeah, I like some of these quotes. So this is Tyson Fury. I came to America on my own. I stand my ground. This is from The Sun, by the way, the English <laughs> the English, the English version of the Herald. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to stay away from any page three on The Sun. But anyway, um, yeah. I came to America on my own. I stand my ground against any man born from his mother. Come on, you big dosser. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> Walder fires, fires back. Uh, trust me, everything you say is going to build me up. You're so nervous, bro. You're dealing with the killer. You're dealing with the best yeah. man on the planet. You're dealing with the one who will knock you out on point, and I can't wait. Um, when I look over your body, I'm not going to. I'm not going to have no mercy for you. It's <laughs> yeah. good to say, you big dosser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much, as much as I don't like Tyson Fury, um, he does bring that that thing to boxing that we love, which is um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of carnival. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's um, I think it's going to it's going to bite him in a big way. Mm. Um, I, I would be surprised. I won't be surprised if the fight doesn't go ahead. Yeah. Um, I won't be surprised if Tyson Fury uh, doesn't front up for whatever yeah. reason because. Um, yeah, he's been in a big fight and he's won a big fight, but um, he is—he's um, a—he's a brawler. Deontay mm. Wilder is a is a an accomplished boxer, um, mm. and yeah, he, he's going to get hurt. He's going to feel the pain. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not scheduled yeah. until defe- uh, December the first, so there's a long yeah. time to go for uh, Tyson Fury to actually pull out of that fight with some sort of injury. Or a, yeah, a doctor to say that he's not fit to fight. He doesn't look like he doesn't look like he's in good shape to me. Yeah. So um Fury's ranked third by the WBC. So this is what confuses me about boxing as well, all of these different organizations. I don't know what's what. Confuses yeah, they me. really need to get that sorted out. So that there is one they really need a FIFA of boxing. Yeah. Um and yeah, they do. Things, uh, a lot better. So um it's just all the corruption in the sport, you know. Yeah, so and, much you know, oh. you've seen some of, the, some of the guys that were rolled out against Parker, and, uh, and even um, what's his name? Who was the other New Zealand boxer? Uh, oh, for uh, awesome, David Tua. Yeah, some or Shane Cameron. That, yeah, well, <laughs> Shane Cameron. Well, I like Shane Cameron. Um, <laughs> yeah, some of the guys they rolled out against. Um, fuck, what's his name again? <laughs> David Tua. <laughs> David Tua. And, um, 
in Joseph Parker. You're just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I guess I guess the I guess I've got to keep the machine moving as they head towards these bigger fights. So I can understand it in a way. But yeah, exactly. Uh, boxing. Um, yeah, we'll have to find a a regular place for boxing on the Church of Sport. Um, I'm sure some of it will come up. Um, and Joseph Parker, yeah, he must be fighting again soon. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Is he retired? Maybe he's well, I think retired. He's lining up somebody to. Um, yeah. Yeah, lost a bit of interest in Joseph Parker. He was since he lost. So, yeah. yeah. I, was a, I was a big fan in, until we started losing. Yeah. Well, actually, boxing's like that, though, isn't it? Um, when someone seems unbeatable or the, well, they haven't been beaten, and so you put a lot of faith in them, and then they have a, they have a title shot, and then they lose that. And then it's kind of hard to come back from that, and it's a lot of. I'm sure you're not alone. A lot of fans would have lost interest after that, because he was outclassed in that fight, and you could just see that unless he's able to fight uh, someone for a title, he it's not a. He's just not good enough. He just wasn't good enough, and um, that must be quite soul destroying for him as a boxer uh, as well. Thanks for joining us on The Church of Sport. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Facebook. Leave us a comment and a review. We'll be back next week to speak more truths on New Zealand sport and beyond. On behalf of my co-host, the very, very Reverend Mike, I'm Pastor Stu. Go in peace or just go hard. Amen to that, Pastor Stu. <laughs>